0: Welcome to the Anointed and Transformational Teaching Ministry of Pastor Wale Kinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise, Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message that you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. Today I want to speak about elevated by God. Elevated elevated by God, to be lifted by God. The God that you and I serve, the Almighty God, who is also our Father, Second Corinthians 6 verse 18, is a lifter of men. One of the very first things I got to know about God when I got into ministry is that God is a promoter, God is a lifter. There is only one premise, you know, apart from, of course, sin and everything, you know, Generally, there's one only one major premise in the Bible by which God demotes, and it is pride. The Bible says that you know it gives more grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you. He will lift you. He exalts the humble. But those that set up themselves up in pride is able to pull down, is able to push down. That's what the scripture teaches. So, it's only one, that's the only condition. God, by nature, is a lifter of men. Psalm 113, verse 7 to 8. Psalm 113, verse 7 and 8. He raises the poor, this is talking about God now, out of the dust. He lifts the needy out of the ash heap. He raises the poor out of the dust. He lifts the needy out of the ash heap. Okay. Why? Why does he raise them? The purpose is to sit them with princes, with the princes of his people. I see God lift somebody here in Jesus' name. Oh my God, somebody's watching online. Somebody's here. I see God lift you in Jesus' name. I'm talking about you. I see God lift you in Jesus' name. The good news is that nothing is far too gone for the lifting power of God. Nobody is too downtrodden that God cannot lift. Please stay with me. There is nobody that is too downtrodden that God cannot lift. But he lifts the poor. He lifts the poor. Okay? He lifts the poor. He raises the needy. He raises, lifts from the harsh hip. Aship means where there are ashes. In other words, something that is irreversible, a very terrible condition. The Bible says our God can still lift men from such situations. I see God lift somebody here again in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one of the things you have to understand: there was a man, according to Acts chapter four, verse twenty-two. Acts chapter four, verse twenty-two. This man was forty years old. Okay, first I want to show you that. Acts chapter four, verse twenty-two. The man was how, how old was this man? Forty years, that's right. The man was 40 years old. Then in Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 10, check it out. This man was being carried daily. This man was being carried daily. They laid him at the beautiful gate daily. So how many years have they laid him there? Forty years, right? So for 40 years, this man has not seen lifting. Then suddenly one day, Peter and John were going into the temple in the hour of prayer. And while they were going to the temple, the Bible makes us understand that the man was looking at them and expecting to receive something. So Peter said to him, look at us. The man was expecting to receive something. And Peter said, I do not but such as I have, are given to thee, Acts 3, verse 6. And the Bible said, Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the lifter of men, the one that lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the hardship, to place them among the priests of his people, rise up and walk. Peter stretched out his hand, and the man rose up and walked. But the most amazing part of the testimony is that the Bible says, then the man started walking, the man started leaping, and the man started praising God. Walking, leaping, praising. Walking, leaping, praising. Walking, leaping. It is completely impossible, not possible at all, under any condition, in the best medical systems in the world. For somebody that has not worked for 40 years, to suddenly be able to work and start leaping, it's not possible. Ask any medical doctor or physiotherapist, they'll tell you it's not possible. If you've not worked for 40 years, your, there will have been atrophy in your muscles. The muscles will have wasted away. The muscles will not have. All of those have to be retrained. It's not possible, scientifically. For someone that's not worked, for, for, even if someone has not worked for one year, they don't, immediately you don't. I guarantee you that. Physiotherapists tell you, the person needs to be retrained how to walk. Retrained. The person needs to regain balance, regain uh, 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 rhythm. That's it. He needs to regain balance and regain rhythm. For sure. But the Bible says, this man started walking, not only was he walking, he had gained so much confidence that he was leaping. Friends, I want to say this to you. In the name that is above every name, God will lift you beyond the highest position you have ever noticed. Beyond the highest position you have ever seen. In the name of Jesus Christ, he will lift you beyond what you have ever experienced. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our God is a lifter. Somebody boast a little bit in God. Say, my God is a lifter. Come on, boast in your God. My God is a lifter. Say it one more time. Boast, my God is a lifter. Now, please understand then quickly that God, when we talk about being elevated from God, or when I'm talking about being elevated from God, by God, I'm saying that God can raise you irrespective of your situation. God can raise you irrespective of the situation you are in now. He can raise you. You know, by the help of the Almighty God, I'm telling you a true life story. When When my wife and I bought our first house in this country, Canada, when we bought our first house, we bought our first house from a place where we could not pay our rent. True life story. That's how we bought our house. We bought our first house. We couldn't pay our rent. Couldn't pay the rent. We, had, we were owing three months' rent. The landlord took us to, to the tribunal that we couldn't pay the rent to kick us out of the house. As God will have it, eventually we, we had um, uh, mediation with the landlord and we, ag- we both agreed. That within the 30-day period, 31 day period, we're gonna live on our own. Within that one-month period, we started looking for a house. One of the people at that tribunal on that day, one of the agents that was there, asked Topsy and I said, should I go, since you couldn't pay the rent here in Mississauga, you know, if you're watching from outside of the country, Mississauga is a suburb of Toronto, okay? You will probably be familiar with Toronto since you couldn't pay your rent here, should I go and look for another place for you to rent uh, in a place called Jane and Finch? If you're watching outside of the country, Jane and Finch is equivalent to Peckham in London, equivalent to uh, Bronx in New York, equivalent to, you can fill in the blank spaces. You know, so if you're living in that place and you're watching right now, don't get offended. I'm just telling, saying you know what is factual, you know. Thank you, Jesus. So the man said that, I said, Thompson looked at me, I said, no, uh, uh, no, no. I said, we're looking for our own house. The man, I mean, sorry, lady, the lady looked at both of us and thought, obviously, I've had people having mental health issues, but I never knew I would, meet, I, would meet, I would meet a couple that both of them have mental health issues at the same time. This is not doable. But that's what we said. We started looking, and God took us from not being able to pay, because it elevates people regardless of their situation. And we bought our first property in the country. And you know the amazing thing? We bought our first property and God opened doors for us financially and we never struggled with the mortgage, which was a lot more than the rent we were paying. We never struggled with the mortgage. Not one day. Not once. This is the God that we serve. He told, don't look at yourself and say, well, you know, if God is going to lift me, he's going to lift me one step ahead. That's the lifting. No, he, don't forget, he raises the poor. From the dust. Is that right? Come on, church. Is that right? And the needy from the harsh heap. Not to take them off the harsh heap and place them in a the place to clean, their, to clean the dust on their body, but to place them among the princes of his people. Mephibosheth was lifted from Lodiba straight away to the palace, not, to the, not the suburb of Jerusalem, straight into the palace, the center of things. I'm praying for somebody here. Regardless of your situation, God will lift you. This is it. Yeah. God lifts us irrespective of our situation, number one. Number two, God lifts us irrespective of our limitations. Everybody is born with a limitation. Everybody. I preached a message many years ago, some years ago, maybe four, five years ago, talking about Doing exploits, and I mentioned the four common limitations that is common to every man, and taught on that extensively at the conference. I had the privilege of attending. I uh, was speaking at rather, I should say, speaking at the conference. Everybody is born with a limitation. You have some. I have some. My limitation might not be your limitation. Yours might not be mine. But we are all why. The reason is very simple, because of the original sin of Adam, when Adam sinned in the garden, okay? Adam sinned in the garden. So, as a result of that original sin, man was born, you and I were born in iniquity we were conceived, in sin where our mothers gave birth to us. We we're already born with the limitation. The biggest of all limitations is sin. We we're already born. Sin already caps our potential in life, okay? Then, the outworking of that sin Sometimes it might, be, it might be physical in our bodies. It might be mental. It might be background, situational, okay, in our background. It might be cultural. Jesus saw a man in John chapter 9 and asked, the disciples asked, there was a man who was born blind from me, but the man, they asked, who sinned? Was he his parents? Jesus said, no, it's not the man. Neither was his parents. But the disciples schools, they were almost getting close to the answer. They could, they could sense that something went wrong somewhere. So how did it go wrong? Well, if you trace it, it went wrong when Adam disobeyed God and sin came into this world. And when sin came, the Bible teaches that death came through sin. And death, or let me put it the other way around. Death came through sin and sickness is death in slow motion. Sickness is death in slow motion. We're bound with limitations, but God can lift us beyond our limitations, beyond our limitations. I've seen people that have different types of limitations in life that God lifted them beyond. Moses was one of them. The Bible says Moses could not speak, and the man could not speak. Read the book of Deuteronomy. He didn't write it. He spoke it. These are the things that Moses said. Moses started speaking. The man that could not speak, the man that told God, said, I cannot speak. And the man spoke the whole book of Deuteronomy. The man wrote a song called the Songs of Moses that was so good that not only the, was the song sang on earth, we are going to sing that song in heaven. It's called the, the Song of Moses. We're going to sing it in heaven according to the book of Revelation. This is the man that could not speak. Isn't that amazing? The man that could not speak. Limitations. Number three, God raises us irrespective of the opposition. In this life, there are many forces of darkness, many agents of darkness, that many people that are acting out the desires of the kingdom of darkness against your life. You better wake up and believe that. There are many people acting out the desires of the kingdom of darkness against your life. I'm going to repeat that again. There are many people acting out the desires of the kingdom of darkness against your life. It is time to wake up and shake yourself from that. Listen carefully. Jesus Christ himself said, in John chapter 10 verse 16... John, sorry, Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, pardon me. Matthew chapter 10 and the 16th verse. Jesus Christ himself, he said, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Is that right? In the midst of wolves. So you and I, when we give our lives to Christ, we are now sheep under the good shepherd called Jesus. And Jesus said, if you are going out, you are going out as a sheep in the midst of what, speak to me again, one thing that is very clear about wolves is that they want to eat sheep constantly. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, for your adversary, the devil, is going about looking for whom he may devour looking for whom he may devour. The whole world lies under the sway of wickedness. First, John chapter 5, verse 19. The one I like the most is Psalm 74, verse 20. Psalm 74, verse 20. Have respect, O oh God, for the covenant, for the whole habitation of the world is full of cruelty. The horns of the world is full of cruelty. Horns of cruelty. The world is full of darkness. Darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. We have full-time vessels in the hand of the devil, agents of the devil, like Elimas, the sorcerer. We have those ones that are full-time, okay? Witches, wizards, and all of that, occultists, they are full-time weapons in the hand of the devil, we all, they will also have an army of part-time vessels known as canal Christians. The canal Christians, and these ones, these are the ones that are most dangerous, because I mean, since they're Christians, in court, of course, you, you let down your guards, But they're extremely dangerous. Carnal Christians are the Judas Iscariot category of people. They're the ones that will walk into the office of the priesthood and ask the priest, please, what will you give me if I betray him? Going to the priesthood to betray the high priest. See? You see? It doesn't look, it doesn't look threatening. Judas goes to the priesthood, have a conversation with them, comes back to betray the priesthood. It doesn't look threatening, but It's only when you look at it from the eyes of God in John chapter 13 verse 27 that you see that the Bible says the devil had entered into Judas. That's when you realize that there was a devil there. Satan had entered into him. In verse 2 Satan has planted the idea in his mind. Can a Christian cannot sense when Satan is giving them thoughts. They can't sense it. And they think, Satan convinces them that this thing you are doing is for the kingdom of God. You know, John chapter 16, verse 2, I believe. John 16, verse 2. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, Jesus said. The time is coming that when those that will kill you, they will think they are offering God service. When people, people they will think that I'm doing it for God. I'm doing it for God. That's why I came to... Anas and Caiaphas to betray Jesus. I'm doing it for God. That's what Judas was thinking. I'm doing this thing for God. It's to save the whole of humanity. <laughs> but I've always said, you know, the most amazing part of the story is that the only person that lost in that whole story was Judas. Even the chief priests that gave him the money, they collected their money back. So ultimately, they did not lose. They got their money back. So they didn't lose anything. They got their money back. Judas is the only one that lost in the whole story. Carnal Christian. It's very dangerous to be a Carnal Christian. Very dangerous. I've seen a lot in this, my short time of pastoring, about 22 years now. Less 22 years, less four months. I've seen a lot. So we have to be careful. There's Opposition. Satan was resisting every step you take, but he's a liar, and he has lost the battle over your destiny. Please let me hear an amen. amen. Somebody is watching this now. Satan has lost the battle over your destiny. Amen. Friends, at this point, one thing I want to tell you quickly is this. Please, don't take anything lightly. Don't take anything lightly. Write it down if you're writing. Now, this man said, don't take anything lightly. Don't explain anything away. It is always better, it is always safer to err on the side of caution. Always better, always safer to err on the side of caution. You know, I've always advised people when, when I, when they, when sometimes people, you know, will, will have a chat with me, The lot of my children will come to me and say, they'll say, you know, Pastor, I just... Uh, I got a house. Oh, praise God. I put it down, you know, deposit and all of that. Oh, praise God. To God be glory. When is the closing? Okay, usually, you know, when, when is the first house? You know, when is, so they've not done this before. They don't, they won't understand some of the uh, things that are going on in, you know. When is the closing? Oh, pastor, the closing is in six months time or three months time. Oh, praise God. To God be glory. Okay. So 30th of June is the closing. All right. Then come two weeks before. Maybe I, I run into them in the corridor. Ask them. Hello, how are you? How far with how, how far things? So, things are going on well. Everything is said, Pastor. Everything is said. But you see, you cannot afford to be complacent. Satan is watching you. You're trying to gain territory. So, you are, still, you are thinking everything is said. Everything is said, Pastor. Yeah, I've spoken to the lawyer. The lawyer said, I only need $3,000, $4,000 for closing, and it's all set then it's on the day of closing you realize that it was not set at all. Why? Because you did not set it. Suddenly, one hour, maybe about 3 p.m., that's when the lawyer calls you and says, uh, uh, statement of adjustment. It's not 3,000 that you need. you actually need 7,500. Then your question is, where do you think I will get that? Get it. You've had six months to get it. You should know that he was not set. I've gone to the bank. <laughs> I've gone to the bank before when somebody ran into an issue like that on the closing there, and I had to help them. And I went to the bank. The person that needed it, so I said, okay, I wanted to give it to the person. So I went to the bank, give them my card, give the bank my card to pull the money out from my personal account, of course. To give to the person, just to be a blessing to the person. So I came to the person. As I was walking out of the bank, he called to me, asked the man. Because the man told me how much he needed. Told me he needed X amount of money. The cousin told me, ask the man if he still needed more. So I asked him. I said, are you sure this is all you need? Oh, he said, Pastor, this is all here. I said, okay. Something to be inside me again. Tell him to call his lawyer. So he picked up the phone. He called the lawyer, hello? Yeah. So I have X amount of money. Uh, what, how much is need? The lawyer said, give me a minute. Said, you still need about, call the amount of money was about $400. Left, so the man said, "The last I need three hundred and eighty something, something four hundred dollars, basically." So I asked him, "I said, do you have that?" Ah, I said, "Pastor, I don't have anything." Two life stories. Thank God we were still at the door of the bank. I grabbed him and said, "Come inside again." We went back inside the bank. I gave him a card again. The lady said, "You again? I said, it's me again? Is this man? He doesn't understand. <laughs> he did not set it. <laughs> he did not understand." I said, so "I gave it to you." I said. I got to, I said call him. He said no pastor by now. I said call him. Call him. Call him. Call him again. Lawyer said everything is fine by now. I said now you can rest. It is not over until it is over. Your wife got pregnant. Thank God for that. But well, it's not over until the baby comes out alive. Alive. You keep you stay in the place of prayer. Increase the temperature of the oven. Keep it going. Kaluzita you are praying Nikabaya. Father, I take authority over the spirit of error. How many times have people gone for interviews? At the interview, they've already told you the job is yours. They've even showed you this is going to be your office. Um, hello, Mr. Simpson. Come, come, come. You're going to be working with Mr. Simpson. That's him. And that one says, oh, fine. You enjoy this place. Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Let me show you the coffee um, place. Let me show you the kitchenette. Let me show you the washroom. That's the male washroom. That's something, something, something. And on the way, they already introduced you to the rest of the staff. Hey, you get back and say, it's all good. I, I, I got the job. Everything is set. Awesome. Just waiting for the letter. Every morning, you keep on refreshing your <laughs> you refreshing your laptop, refreshing your laptop, and you keep on refreshing, and you're not refreshed. When you wake up the following morning, Zunaka and the last year, Yahweh, I want to honor you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for everything. To you be the glory. You're the one that completes everything before you start it. Thank you for what you have done in my life. For he that began a good work is faithful to complete it. I know that the end of a matter is better than the beginning. Today I take authority as it is written. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 13. Behold, I walk my hand. The hand of the Lord is stretched out. Who will reverse it? As Numbers 23 verse 20. I have received a command to bless. He has blessed. I cannot reverse it. Every attack, every plan of the enemy to reverse that which God has already done in my life. I come against it in the name of Jesus Christ. Until the letter gets into your hand. You are taking authority. Am I making sense to anybody? You are taking authority. You don't slow down. You don't slow down. You don't. Your wife wakes up and I say, "Well, let's pray." I said, "Baby, I, I said I've gotten the job now." Wow. He said, "Let's thank God." Say, we can always thank God in the afternoon. Now let me, let me sleep a little bit more. Why you are sleeping? You've taken the job. Someone say, oh, but, but pastor, come on now. But the Bible, Jesus Christ said that while men slept, an enemy came and sold tears. So you got a job in the city. But one man said, they gave you a job in the factory. They planted no, You cannot afford to sleep. Someone say, wake up. Yeah. Oh, say it like you. Wake up. Yeah. yeah. Upless opposition. So God desires to help you and I to be elevated beyond the opposition. Friends, listen to me. No matter the opposition against you from now 2020 will be a glorious year for you. Amen. I need to hear your opposition-free amen. 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 No matter the opposition against your destiny, 2022 shall be a glorious year for you. Amen. As Christians, our promotion... Everything we're doing must never be left to chances. We must be intentional in exercising our faith to unlock grace for the specific area we're trusting God for. Let me say that again. We must be intentional with our faith to unlock the grace of God in the specific area we're trusting God. Hebrews 11.11. Let's look at it. Hebrews 11.11. By faith, Sarah herself, Sarah, of course, the wife of Abraham. you know the story. She was 90 years old. Abraham was 99. They were trusting God for a child. I mean, how is a 90-year-old woman and a 99-year-old man going to be able to come together? You know? And... and (laughs) And the Bible says, Abraham himself was believing, but Abraham is believing because Abraham's body was dead. Sarah also had to believe because the Bible says the deadness of Sarah's womb. So now, Sarah had to believe, and the Bible said, by faith, Sarah herself received miraculous power. That's what the Bible says. Oh, I know it says strength there, but the word strength there is the word dynamis. With dynamis, is miracle working power of God. Sarah herself received the miracle-working power of God to conceive because she judged God faithful who has promised. It takes faith to enter into the miracle-working power of God that brings the desired supernatural effect you and I are trusting God for. It takes faith. Somebody say faith. Yeah. It takes faith. It takes faith. I mean, I'm going to teach you a, a, a little bit, a, a lot more, not a little bit, a lot more about this thing called faith. Next year by God's grace. Why? Because it's one of the most misunderstood topics in, in the whole of the body of Christ. You see people that are not reading their Bible, they have no scripture they're standing on, they have no voice of God they're standing on, no remma they're standing on, no systematic arrangement of scripture they're standing on. And they say, I'm just, I'm living by faith." you know, I had one man say, many years ago I went to preach in the, in the country of Nigeria, the woman came, he was wearing a coat, not a suit a quote and there's a big difference <laughs> there was this time I think it was two years ago there was this thing on social media about the 10 year challenge or so you know what you used to be 10 years ago and what you are now so one of my children I don't know went and took one of my photographs maybe about 15, 16 years and my recent photograph and put it together and put it on social media didn't ask me, they just, just put it on social media. You know, there was this thing that looks like a suit I was wearing in the previous photograph. Come on, I don't make too much fun of me. And the, the real suit I was not wearing. Ah, one person that made a comment and said, ah, see, pastor's coat. <laughs> <laughs> see, pastor's coat. So, I now took a look at it myself. I said, ah, this is his coat. You know, There's coat. Ah, but if that one was even good, you should have seen the one I used for my matriculation in the university. That's what you really call a coat. Inside it, I was bo- It was like an oven. I was, <laughs> I was boiling. It was like a thermal wear. I was boiling. I don't know what kind of material they use for those things. And I had to wear it with a tie and with the matriculation gown. How I did not disappear? I don't even understand. <laughs> you know, but, but this man was wearing the coat. And the man said, he was telling a testimony. And the man said, for, you know, for, of course, for years he's not been working. His wife is probably foraging, you know, trying to get him some money, pay school fees, put food on the table, pay his rent, and all of that. So the man said, for the last two years, I've just been living by faith. I said, no, that's not what you call faith. That's not what you call faith. You've been living on complacency. you are living on complacency. Living by faith is not looking up to a man to give something to you. Living by faith is taking personal responsibility to act on the Word of God so that God can do what He has said He would do, or that, so that God, what God has done can be released. But I'll teach extensively about that. So what people call faith? Faith, faith. It's not faith. If there is no Word of God that is, being, that is prompting an action, having given conviction, it's not faith. The first, the first thing about faith is there must be conviction in the heart. And the next thing they were is was the action. Action that is consistent with the conviction on the same level. The action consistent with the conviction. And the conviction must be prompted by the word. Are you still hearing me now? You see somebody that, for example, that is sick on a wheelchair. He has the testimony of another person. That the person stood up on the wheelchair. having, And the, all the person was saying was that, the person was just speaking, speaking the word. The person was speaking the word. And the person was speaking, and the person says, he took my infirmity. And again, the person says, he took my infirmity and stood up on the wheelchair. And so all says, eh, okay. So the person said, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand. He took, he took, he took my infirmity and tried to stand. Boosh, he's the ground. And the person said, God is not faithful. Sometimes God heals, sometimes God heals. No, the word was not given time to bring conviction first. The word has to be given time so that there is conviction on the inside that is so real more than what is on the outside. Did you just hear what I just said? Yeah. The conviction on the inside is so real that on the out that's why the Bible says, let the weak say, I'm strong. The reason is because strength has come on the inside. So the strength is now finding its way, walking its way out into the outside. There must be conviction first. That's the first thing about faith. So wherever there is no conviction, that's why the Bible says if he does not doubt in his heart, which means basically let there be conviction. Conviction. Not the one that you are trying to pray for. Pray, pray to be healed. And you're saying, ah, there's this scripture about stripes. What is that scripture again? You no, know, I know pastor says it sometimes. People say this scripture, there was this scripture about stripes. Something about stripes and heal. Heal, stripes, stripes, heal, sickness, stripes. And no, that, that, no. Or, or you or, you know, the, the one that is, when somebody is sick, I tell them, okay, you need to be your Bible. The says, okay, pastor. So, you say, open to, open to the Scriptures. Let's say, for example, open to Psalm 103. Give me Psalm 103, please. Put it on the screen, from verse 1. Verse 1 to 5. Okay. So, the pastor says, or somebody says, anybody, anybody can do it. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Keep on going. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases? Keeps going. Who redeems your life from destruction, crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Keep going. Who satisfies your mind with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? That is somebody reading the Bible that is familiar with the Bible. Do you agree with me? You don't agree I'm familiar with the (laughs) Bible? Okay. Alright. So, let's go back to verse 1. See somebody that's not familiar with the Bible. So, Mr. XYZ, Miss ABC, please read Psalm 103, 3 verse 1-5. Bless the Lord my soul and all all all, all that is within, all that is within me. Bless his his holy name. Now, in not that the person stammers. So, but when they're not familiar, there is no way, you know, you know, you have to read. Understand for light to enter your heart. So when you read like that. You're not, that means you're not familiar. There's no way. This scripture will not bless you. So, what you have to do there, you have to completely take it from this level and take it back to a completely rudimentary level. I don't know why I'm going to spend time on healing today. What do you not have to do for that kind of a person? Maybe there's somebody that is sick that is watching this. What you have to do for that kind of a person is tell them to continue to read it the way they're reading it. But you now have to leave the arena of trying to get them healed by faith. Now, you can only now really get them healed by the manifestation of the gift of healing, not through faith. That's how it's going to work. So that one now, we have to now trust God for the Holy Spirit to manifest His gift so that the gift of healing can be manifest. And that one, they don't need faith in the word. They need faith in the anointing. Faith in the gift. Do you understand what I've just said? Yeah, that's the only way they're not going to be healed. So that's why, but you know, but it works for healing that way, thank God, because God loves us. He will heal us in different ways, you know. Um, if there's any drawback, if there's any drawback at all about faith being healed in the gifts of healing, it is that it is as God wills. First Corinthians 12 verse 11, it is as God wills. It is never true, but you cannot be sure of it. It is up to God completely. But faith... You can be sure. For all things are possible to him that believes. You can be sure with faith. You can be sure. If I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. You can be sure with faith. Am I speaking to somebody? So, it is always better. The four God's first first preference of, of of operating the supernatural is faith. For you to have faith. For you to have faith. For you to have faith. So as you hear the word of promotion, for faith to come alive in you, and you can be convinced that promotion is your portion in Christ. Friends, listen very carefully to me. Then let's talk about promotion a little bit more. Then we're going to pray. Redemption in Christ Jesus has positioned you and I to be promoted. The very fact that we are saved is anybody here saved at all? Is anybody saved at all here? The very fa- don't you discount the salvation of your soul. I see many people that don't count the salvation of their souls as being important. People today, they they under, the, the, when you say, shall we lift up our hands and thank God for the salvation of our soul? They're like, oh, what is that? Okay, well, I thank you for the salvation of my soul. That. Let's get to the real business. The real business is the salvation of soul. Because without that salvation of soul, you have no access to nothing. Are you still hearing me? Salvation of soul, which is also called redemption in Scripture, that by the redemption of our soul by reason of the blood of the Lamb, is what has given you and I an opportunity. Is giving you and I an opportunity to have a right. Someone say right. Oh, say it again, right. Right. Okay, this is very hard for religious people now. But somebody say right. Right. He's giving you a a right not to be left in the status quo. You have a right not to be left where you are this year, next year. You have a right in Christ Jesus that next year will be better than this year. You have a right that next year, 2022, you are moving forward and living back this year. Friends, listen to me. It's a right in Christ Jesus that God brought for you. Someone says, how can you call it a right? Well, look at this now. John chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, verse 12, to them he gave a what? He gave a right. As many as received him, means salvation. To them he gave a right. So you have a right. The right was not given to you with all due respect by your biological parents. The right was not given to you by your education. Thank God for your highly educated. The right was not given to you by your background. To God be glory for your prestigious background. But the right was given to you and I in Christ Jesus. I have a right to be protected by God. I have a right. That's why he said, he said, in, in, in the wilderness, the children of Israel came out, of, came out and they were looking for food and say oh Moses what are we going to eat oh God Moses what are we going to eat because they were praying to a covenant God they don't have a relationship with when Jesus came in Luke 11 he said this manner ye pray our father who art in heaven respectfully hallowed be your name the kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven what's the next thing now Uh, it's because it's your right that's why you can call it your daily bread can I come to your house now and say give me this day my monthly rent give me this day my monthly I can't knock on your door like that if you ever give me something in this world it's a privilege for me it's not my right but different from your children even the Christmas gift you gave them they felt you didn't do enough (laughs) they look at the size of the book and say I don't understand why these boxes keep reducing every year Last twenty nineteen was better. This was, I don't know what's going on with my parents, and they keep on, we keep on hearing this same scripture from glory to glory. Look at the boxes; it keeps getting smaller and smaller. Why? And you keep on telling them, ah, "Don't you like what I gave you?" So I like it, but I was expecting something a bit. He said, so, but, okay, 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 man. And you're still begging them, but you don't do that to the panhandler that cleans your car by the road when you when you when you're, when you're, when you're in traffic handler comes, squeezes some things on your windshield, cleanses, cleanses, it, cleans, you know, cleanses it, and you take a toonie in Canada, $2, and you want to, you, uh, uh, one, let's say $1, you know, a loony, you call it in Canada, you want to give that a loony, and the man looks at you, you say, please, bring it back, please, thank you very much, take my thing. Nonsense. I'm giving you something, you're telling me. Even in Africa, they say a beggar has no choice. But not your children. The children go they open the refrigerator, say, mom, you're still trying to sleep. The When they call you, it's like they're your boss. Mom. You he said, what's that again? I'm hearing you. What's the problem? There's no milk. So what does it mean there's no milk? I, I bought milk yesterday. He said, yeah, but that's, that's 1%. You know, I, you always know I take 2%. la <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just unbelievable that African parents don't understand the rights. Say, what did you say is in the fridge? 2%. What do you want? 1%. They dilute it with water. What's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> 50%, 50%, 50% water. What's your problem? That's how it becomes 1%. Did you go to school? Did you just scream on you? They tell you, they, they tell you their order. You're going out. They say, Mom, Mom. It's, Mom, Mom, you're going out. He said, Uh, Please, mom, when you're coming, you say, I'm not going in that direction. say, yeah, but mom, anyway, it doesn't matter. Mom, when you're coming, please make sure you buy this. Buy, And they give you an order of a grocery list. And just when you're trying to be resistant, something inside you kicks in and says, you're a parent. You have responsibility. I have a right. God has a responsibility. That right was given to me by God. Now I can cry out because I have the spirit of adoption in me. So I can cry out, Abba, Father. Responsible father. <laughs> you see that? So, friends, I want you to be assured, be convinced you have a right in God. Somebody say I have a right in God. Oh, say they can I have a right in God. Yes, it is true. Our right is not in ourselves, but our right is in God, in Christ. So they can have a right in Christ to be promoted. Say it again. I have a right in Christ to be promoted. Say it one more time. I have a right in Christ. I must say something to you. A huge percentage of people that practice religion, they have zero idea about New Testament Christianity. That is why in the Ignite Church, starting on on Sunday, next Sunday, in Ignite Church, it's a separate service. We're not having a joint service. So next week's Sunday in Ignite Church, I'm starting a series titled Real Christianity. I'm going to teach it for five Sundays, the whole of January, in Ignite Church. Real Christianity. <laughs> so that our young adults in Ignite Church can understand real Christianity, not the religion that many, of many adults are struggling with, that they've carried in their head, and real Christianity cannot shake it off. I was having a conversation with some powerful uh, young people sometimes ago, some time ago. And they are telling me about how one particular man that had just been given a position in, a, in an organization was, was trying to institute some policies that they were not comfortable with. So I told them, I said, but this policy this man is trying to implement is completely contrary to scripture. This policy is contrary to Scripture. Since this organization is within the set of a church, the, you know, it's contrary to Scripture. And I explained to them and showed them the Scripture. The next thing that came out of their mouth is that, yeah, but, yeah, 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 it's in the Bible, but, but you know, you don't understand Nigeria. I said, what do I don't understand Nigeria? The same Lord over all is rich unto all. In every nation, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation. What I'm telling you, is this thing is contrary to Scripture. It's a yeah, yeah. Most people that preach religion, they don't understand New Testament Christianity. I'm not saying this thing with, with, um, I'm I'm not being sarcastic. I'm actually telling you something that is hurting me, something that is paining me. They don't. They don't. They don't. Out of sequence. Yesterday, one of my children came to me. 11 p.m. We're going to, we're going to bed. He's already in pajamas. Uh, he wants to go back downstairs and eat. Uh, we haven't to be eating this morning. Yeah, but still want to go to bed. Still want to go and grab something to eat. So, He met with policy, and the policy is you cannot because also the whole technique is a technique. When there's a basketball game going on, and you still want to watch it, instead of you saying, give me time to watch the remaining basketball game, you say let me take some food. So while the food is easily melting into your mouth, you're watching the basketball game. And Since I came from Africa originally, and I tend to understand, have a panoramic view I have a holistic approach and understanding to how teenagers behave. So I said, so the policy usually is at that time, no. But you know, somebody that knows they have a right is different from somebody that doesn't know they have a right. So if you're somebody else, that's no, that's it, just go to bed. But when you know you have a right, you come back, you appeal your case. So spoke again and said, Can I just say something? Can I just say something? You say one, you say, Can I see, just say something? Can I say something? Okay, we're just one more time, I just need to say something. By the time the person has said something three times, you also, you respect yourself because they have now true faith and patience. They've now inherited the promises. This is true. Then you eventually have to say, Go, go, go ahead, take us money. As <laughs> money. Like the Bible says, Let this person wear me out. I'll have someone to preach on Sunday morning. This is life. Know that you have a right. Somebody say, I have a right. Oh, something, I have a right in Christ Jesus to be promoted. When Christ came, he died for you. He went down for you. He was, stag- you know, he was stagnant for three days and three nights. He did not move, at least not in his body. His body did not move. Three days and three nights, wherever they put him, that's where they met him. Every time they came back there, they met him there three days and three nights. He went through that stagnation so that you can go from glory to glory. Yeah. Somebody say, I have a right. Yeah. You need to be convinced about this. You have a right. Anyway, so then, because you have this right, let me tell you some things quickly. It is this right then that you have in Christ Jesus that gives you something called the new birth. And it is this new birth that allows you and I to override the limitations of our physical birth. While it is true that we have physical bat limitations, but because of new birth, we are able to override it. We are able to change lanes and override it. You have a right. You have a right. You have a right. The enemy tries to make use divination, sorcery, to oppose our progress. Acts thirteen, verse 8. Elymas tried to oppose their progress, but Saul, or Paul now, looking at him intently, knew who he was. Look at this. I want you to look at this scripture, please. Look at this scripture. Go back to verse 8. Elymas, the sorcerer, that means the witch, agent of darkness, okay, withstood them. All right. Seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Seeking to prevent them from reaching their goal. All right. Keep going. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with who? The Holy Spirit. Looked intently at him, and verse 10, and said, "Oh, fool of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, an enemy of all righteousness. Basically what Paul is saying is there. When he says, enemy of all righteousness, notice that Paul did not say, enemy of mine. Paul did not take it personally. Paul said, because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, for you to be opposing my progress means to be, you are opposing what Christ died for in my life. Are you hearing what I'm saying right now? I'm the righteousness. You are enemy of Lord. You are not the enemy of Saul. You are the enemy of righteousness, not the enemy of Saul. Don't take it personal. It's not personal. The enemy is opposing you because of who you belong to. So Paul said, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and I have a right to make progress. You can't oppose that. So when he said that, the one that gave him the righteousness showed up. So Paul said, be blind for a time. And the Bible says, look at what the Bible now says, and the hand of the Lord, not the hand of Saul. The hand of the one that gave him that right moved to see that what he said was true. So that's how Elimas was moved away and the Bible says the proconsul believed. The proconsul believed. I pray for you. Whatever goals you set for yourself for 2022, you will exceed those goals in Jesus' name. Yeah. No opposition will stop you. No divination will stop you. No attack of the enemy will stop you. In the name of Jesus, no sorcery will stop you. In the name of Jesus Christ. No sorcery will stop you, no curse will stop you, witches will not stop you, wizards will not stop you, demons will not stop you, devils will not stop you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Paul said, they can't stop me, they can't stop me. Somebody say, I have a right. Oh, say it one more time, I have a right. Oh, say I have a right. In Christ Jesus, I have a right. Let me give you one more scripture. Acts of Apostles, chapter 14. Let's start from verse 8. Acts of the 14, verse 8. There was in Lystra, came okay? a man without strength in his feet, stagnant, that's what it means. A cripple from his mother's womb, natural limitations is the result is the cause of the stagnation. He had never worked. There certain things, I know you've made a lot of progress in your life, but there are certain realms you have never reached. And the Bible says, what happened to the man? The man heard Paul speaking. Now, Paul was the man that God gave the mysteries, okay, the unusual understanding of Christianity in New Testament order. He said it was a mystery that was hidden in ages past that has now been revealed. So when this man heard Paul speaking, he was hearing New Testament Christianity the way it ought to be. Are you following now? Not the Christianity that people, the preaching that people give that makes you doubt, you don't know. But this one gives you a level of confidence. Then the Bible says, Paul was observing the man, that the man now had faith to be what? Oh, speak to me now. He had faith to be what? Speak to me, woman. He had faith to be what? Do you believe you have a right to be promoted in Christ? Come on, do you believe you have a right to be promoted in Christ? Christ paid with his blood for you not to be stagnant. I have a right. I'm not going to waste the blood of Jesus. I have a right. So he had faith to be healed. Now look at that. Paul was preaching. Something was happening to the man, inside the man. Conviction was coming in. The man was saying, Really? Seriously? You mean I have a. You know, the Bible says in Lysra, Lystra, this man is not a Jew. This is a Gentile. Lystra is, what is in the region of Galatia. He's a Gentile. The man was hearing Paul. And the man said, Seriously? You mean as a born again Christian, I have a right to healing? I've never walked before in my life. You mean I have a right to be healing? Seriously? I didn't know that. I thought it can just happen. No, you have a right to healing. So the, when the Bible says Paul, observing him, saw that the man, the man had faith to be healed. How will you see that the man had faith? You can only see the man had faith because of the actions the man was taking based on the convictions the man had. Are you hearing me now? So obviously this man has never worked. You know, where they tied his hand and tied his leg, the man was taking his leg and putting it on the floor. Took it out of, off the bed, put it on the floor. I am still watching Paul. Then Paul would preach, he preached, preach, ah, the man will say, ah, I'm liking this. Take the other one too. Put it on the floor. Paul said, ah. This man is all right. So, this is why the service was going on. So, when Paul, Paul said, okay, okay, all right, all right, all right, the Paul said, instead, stand up straight on your feet. Look at what the man did. What did the man do? Let's read that part, please. And he lived and walked. Well, please, please, I'm not insulting your intelligence. Please follow me. Let's read it again. One more time. Three, two, one, go. And he lived. That is not the way you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to walk and not leap and even when you start growing, I mean apart from our young, young people that are here by the time you start getting to my age in the morning when you wake up you want to go to the washroom you can't even just walk hallelujah thank you Jesus you can't just walk, No, you have to boot the car you know <laughs> you know in Africa Ah, oh, God, God, God bless my, my parents in Africa when your dad my dad, don't let me say your dad, but my dad wants to go out. I hope he's not listening to this. But, but anyway, when he wants to go out, say he wants to go out at um, 11 p.m., 11 a.m., he's going out. At 10 days, going, go and start my car. You know, because you have to start it. <laughs> you have to start it like 30 minutes before. So, he boots up, the car can warm up, everything inside the car can warm up. Hallelujah. Because if you just start it and say you're going, the car can say where <laughs> the car can say, you can say, I'm ready, I'm in a hurry. You can't say, I'm not in a hurry. Well, you give me my 30 minutes to warm up. So you start it, you start it, then you rev it. Vroom, vroom, you rev it, that the, the whole thing shakes. Uh-huh. Then we know that the car is a bit ready. And if not, you have to help the car. You know. So you are supposed to walk. Walk. When your child is born, how does the child? The child will stand. When the child is about to start walking, first the child will stand and hold something. Everybody in the class put it on Instagram. The child will take one or two steps. He says, hey, he's walking, he's walking, he's walking. And the child looks back and says, take the next step and force on the ground, boom. Then you pick the child up, say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, don't cry. That's how everybody did it, even your mama, that's the way your mama did it. And you continue. This guy did not do all of that. He bypassed all those, he started leaping. He now remember that, oh, listen, I actually have to walk. Then he started walking. This new year you are going to leap from where you are. This new year you will leap from where you are. I'm talking to somebody here. You will leap from where you are. I'm speaking to somebody watching today. You will leap from where you are. You will leap from where you are. In the name of Jesus you will leap from where you are. I can't hear your real amen. You will leap from where you are. No matter where you are sitting today, no matter where you are standing today, no matter how far you are going, no matter how far you have not gone, you will leap from where you are. In the name of Jesus, you will leap from where you are. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. The man standing on your feet, say with me, I have a right in Christ Jesus. Oh, say it, I have a right in Christ Jesus to experience supernatural promotion. Say it again, I have a right in Christ Jesus to experience supernatural promotion. Oh, please, somebody one more time, shout it out. I have a right in Christ Jesus to experience supernatural promotion. Friends, nothing scares the devil to death like statements like this made with faith. Before Moses prayed, Exodus chapter 14, before Moses prayed, Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13, Moses first said to the people, don't be afraid, stand still and say the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you, when? For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see again no more forever. After he has said that, verse 14, he said, the Lord will fight for you. You hold your peace, then verse 15, the Lord now spoke. You see, he did not, Moses did not speak to the Lord now. And the Lord now said, okay, Moses, what's going on? What you are saying scares the devil to death because you are speaking by faith. Because now you know you have a right in Christ Jesus, bought by the blood of Jesus for you, not to be stagnant. Christ took my stagnation so I can take his promotion. When he was highly exalted, I was raised together with him. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. Put it on the screen. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. He raised us up. How? I can't hear you. Raised us up. How? Come on. He raised us up. How? And made us sit together in heavenly places. The day Christ was raised, victoriously, death could not hold him. The grave could not hold him. The same day I was raised up. So that Canada cannot hold me. Nothing can hold me down also. You have a right. If death could not hold Christ down, all the witches in Jerusalem could not hold him down. All the wizards in in Jerusalem could not hold him down. The occultic people in Nazareth could not hold him down. Roman government could not hold him down. The army could not hold him down. The stones could not hold him down. Wickedness could not hold him down. Hatred could not hold him down. Nothing will hold you down. Now he has highly exalted him highly exalted him. that's this level of lifting highly exalted is his level of lifting no small promotion highly exalted highly exalted highly exalted our friends the good news is this this is the good news this is good news we are raised together raised is that past tense or present tense? raised someone say i have a right say it confidently i have a right in christ jesus for supernatural promotion, <laughs> you have a right. You have a right. Let the devil hear it from your mouth. Let the devil hear it from your mouth. Satan, you're a liar. I have a right in Christ Jesus for supernatural promotion. Remember, you can raise you above your situation, you can raise you above your limitation, you can raise you above opposition. I'm looking at people that will be sharing incredible testimonies within the next thirty days. <laughs> Before January is over, you are going to be sharing groundbreaking testimonies of promotion. Even people that have said they will never, never see you promoted. They will, they will sign off on your papers with gladness. Haman could not stop the promotion of Mordecai. He was even instrumental to it. He was one that made the recommendation and was the one that made the execution. He executed it. Why? Because Mordecai believed, the wife of Eman he told Eman, he said, "If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is a Jew, that means he has a right. If he is a Jew, he has a right." Ah, you didn't. The wife said, "Oh, you didn't tell me he's a Jew. You didn't tell me you're dealing with redeemed people, people that are redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so." Psalm one hundred seven, verse two. Verse two. If you are redeemed of the Lord, your mouth is a weapon God has given you as a New Testament Christian. Look at it. Let the redeemer of the Lord do what? Say so. With your own mouth, say so. Whom he he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You say so. Look at Psalm 91, for example. Psalm 91. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. And I will say of the Lord. You have to say. Every other thing that happens in that verse is because you said something. So we're going have a right in Christ Jesus for supernatural promotion. This is the end of the message. We assure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.